This is Lost in the Groove. And I'm Mike. I'm Dave. We hippies have come together to spark change. So together, we give you our society and culture podcast. So with that, let's get funky and let the intro music play, baby. So we are back for a, another segment in the LGBTQ. Today we're going to be talking about the minorities in the community and the struggles, the strengths, the power, and what it means more than anything else to feel that you are the one that's on top of the mountain. So we got a special guest with us, uh, Jamar. Would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners Give a little background uh, so we all know what we're dealing with today. Excuse me. Yes, uh, my name is uh, Jamar Jabari. I am a uh, podcaster and also a uh, activist um, for a long time. Um, and I um, do a lot of work around uh, grassroots uh, pertaining uh, working class struggle and LGBTQ liberation and Black uh, liberation. Um, and also um, a lot around foreign policy awareness and anti-war struggles. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's really incredible to advocate. It's uh, I, I know I haven't personally done it myself. I know it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of stress. Just a little bit of experience on your end. I mean, especially where you're advocating, what kind of... What kind of advocating are you mainly doing? Are you mainly doing on on the front? Are you working with organizations? Anything anything specific? Yeah. Um. Well, it's a bit of it's a bit of, uh, of all aspects. A lot of like just making sure as a uh, as a socialist that I'm putting out a lot of uh, good content for working class people to understand about how literally like we basically have um, a lot in common. And, and if we talk about what we have in common instead of our differences, uh, it will make it a lot more easier to build working class power instead of everyone just deciding which side they're on. There's so much more that we can build on. And a lot of grassroots. Um, it's been slowed down with grassroots organizing because of the pandemic, but I'm always in the streets, always um, in front of Planned Parenthood or uh, marching uh, wherever, wherever, wherever I could be to help out. Um, and organize with coalitions um, of it could be a coalition of just like a, a, a soup kitchen down the street that's trying to like talk about poverty and everything just coalitions with a nonprofit that's talking about issues that we're talking about um, it could be anything um, but always organizing always 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 being an activist always in the streets um, because it's the streets that you can change things in. That's my opinion, mostly compared to um, just fighting so much in Congress and everything. But we need both. Of, we need all that. We need all aspects of fighting. Right. You know, you, you would definitely need to uh, be fighting on both fronts in that regard. Now, um, yeah. on the streets, as you as you put it, it, uh, it most certainly, as you resonate with more and more people, it's going to make sense to uh, to find those similarities, and uh, very rightfully yeah. so. Even among um, the uh, the group of people that we're talking about in this uh, series, so the LGBTQ uh, community yes. as a whole, I mean, um, finding common ground amongst ourselves is so much uh, is so much more empowering. When we look at uh, Congress and trying to uh, trying to work in that environment, it's mostly policy. It's uh, it's mostly yeah. pa- mostly pandering. It's uh, yeah. trying to figure out how they can um, stay within their, uh, I guess, within their within their right, certain powers and privileges that they have. So it's very difficult to work in that front on the streets. You're getting in front of people. You're talking to many people. Um, and the struggles are real. They're very common among all yeah. of us. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Have you uh, have you done have you done any specific work with LGBTQ as a community or? Um, yes, um, okay. I, I identify as pansexual and I am also a part of a uh, 
a party called the Party for Socialism Liberation, and we have a branch here in Connecticut, which is very trans and um, queer led. Um, I, I'm, I mean, there's only probably about two or three uh, straight and people that are on that branch. It's all queer and, and trans led. Um, we're always for it's a priority that we always show our face within the uh, the LGBTQ uh, community 24-7 and fights. Uh, there's a long history even before me of them um, advocating for trans kids um, that were being um, mistreated within the system um, and also fighting for the access to health care um, and also acknowledging that we are definitely uh, fighting for women's rights, but we also have to talk about how LGBTQ uh, healthcare is being threatened under the guise of just attacking women's rights or how that leads to women's rights and LGBTQ rights being destroyed um, 24-7. Um, there's a lot. Um, one recent thing is this. Um, when I was in working for a nonprofit called Life in My Days, which I'm no longer with, uh, we were talking about building housing for trans people, um, building, not building housing, but uh, finding access to housing for trans people, especially uh, because looking at the studies of, you know, of eviction, the eviction crisis is coming and people are being evicted, being thrown out. A lot of trans people are being like, it's 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 a huge amount, especially in Connecticut. I can't even imagine anywhere else. Um, yeah. So yeah, this always—it's like the core. It's the it's it's the core, really. Especially being someone that's uh of that community, of yeah. knowing what's what's going on. It's yeah, definitely, it ties into so much. I just automatically forget that I'm like literally like like I not forget, but like I forget that if there's a category. But then there's also like it's embedded in everything. Like <laughs> it, it, it's so crazy because you know you say <clears throat> I don't know if I'm, I'm getting this. You said you you live in Connecticut, is that correct? Yeah, um, uh, New Haven, Connecticut. I right uh, I grew up um, I grew up in New York. I grew up in Rockland County, so we were neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, nice. And you know, I grew up in a closed-minded community where anything. LGBTQ was not accepted. I grew up in a mainly white community. Um, my parents are interracial. My mom is white. My dad was from Morocco. And I've seen the abuse. I've struggled mm-hmm. through it in my life. And my father went through it himself. And the funny thing is, is that you have people like you that stand up and do something, but yet you have... I call them the pigs in the, you know, the pigs without the blanket. Mm. They are the people that stand there and they call themselves Latino. They call themselves part of the black community. They call themselves part of the Asian community. But they're beautiful, you know, Dior dresses and their uh, $3,000 suits. But they have no idea what it is. They were raised in luxury, wealth, comfort. They don't know what it is to sulk in the dirt and soil and tears of the so-called people that they understand what they're going, because they can't understand. They never will understand, but they wanted not. Right. right. But that's not fair either, though. I mean, um, to be to be fair to even some of those wealthy people, like some of their backgrounds, they 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 did go through suffering. A lot of those people did come from other places. I'm talking about politicians. I'm talking about politicians. Ah, you should have mentioned that, man. I did say that. <laughs> you know, uh, politicians as a um, as a job description, like um, it's not. You know, they they say they understand. That's the point of the job. So that's not that they necessarily care to understand. It's that they're saying that they do in front of your face. Um, as a um, as you were saying earlier about uh, the the housing crisis and people getting yeah. evicted. You know, that that I mean, it's happening across the board. Um, I imagine it's happening to, of course, the LGBTQ community and as well as other minorities, for sure. Uh, But as a whole, I mean, everyone, if we were to just uh, get rid of a lot of the um, the demographics of identification, uh, 
anybody within uh, major cities are, are definitely at risk of something like this, of being evicted, prices going up, not being able to pay for a whole year and being asked to uh, cough it up all at once. Um, uh, in terms of um, the LGBTQ community or any other minorities, I can, I can sense that it might be even a tougher struggle uh, being that uh, if they were being discriminated against specifically for, for being a part of said community. Um, have you seen anything like that going on with, uh, within your activism, people being forced out, not just because they can't pay, but they're also being discriminated because they're LGBTQ or anything like that? Yeah, um, it's definitely a, uh, I can think of so many stories um, and I want to be uh, very respectful of their identity. Um, a lot of them have not have told us not to uh, disclose um, their names and stuff when you're going through this stuff. But th- I can I can tell you for sure. Um, for instance, there is definitely is just um, you, you you hear about like a lot with kids, um, teenagers. Um, especially being put out um, of their homes and they can never return. They can't come back. So they're automatically in the streets um, and they have to become sex workers or they have to sell drugs or whatever they have to do just to survive because they can't find other means to survive. Um, That's a very, there's a housing um, initiative that, in New Haven, for instance, that's called um, CT Bell Fund, where they used to, I don't know if it's still going on, and I hope it still is, um, where they were housing a lot of kids that were LGBTQ. Um, there's, uh, there's stories of people I've known that have roommates, and they were Black and trans, um, and they just dealt with a lot of like abuse with their roommates and they had to leave and became homeless. There's, there's a lot of different stories. Um, It's pretty awful. Yeah, Yeah, it really is. I mean, you know, I don't like to bring in television, but there was a show. I don't know if you've seen, it's called pose. Have you seen it? Yeah. I've, I've heard of pose. Yeah. And it really shows a picture of, I mean, it takes place in the eighties, but on what, the minority, the LGBT community had to do to survive in New York is to keep people's spirits, to get everybody alive. They did ballrooms. The whole purpose of ballrooms was to just get everybody together, show us your talent, to really uplift people's lives. And I've I've actually met someone personally from that ballroom days, and she told me her whole life changed. You know, now she's successful. She's everything going. It's the whole point is people coming together and there are, you're right. There's so many people that are suffering and it's like, well, if we work together as a team, you don't have to, you know, pull in all your finances. All we got to do is just come together. Let's figure out a plan. Yeah. There's so much of it. Like how many, I mean, realistically speaking, how many people do we really need to come together to actually stop this? Or some way contain it in a certain way. Yeah, um, and that goes back to uh, what Mike was saying earlier about how there's everyone is dealing, for instance, with the eviction crisis and stuff. Um, I think I think common ground and understanding, because when you see common ground within someone that you don't understand, you start to humanize them, and. You humanize them because you have just found a connection or experience with them. Um, and I think that's what's so important. What, why, you know, I try to keep building working power and building LGBTQ liberation to get them to understand. I have argued, like, my parents are Christian and I come from a very Christian background. So, of course, the, what, what I choose to do or who I choose to be attracted to is definitely not their criteria of what goes on there. <laughs> um, but I found that explaining to people that look like me, because it's definitely a lot of colonialism of the reason, because if you look at the history before that, it wasn't 
really a problem would be LGBTQ in, in Africa before colonialization happened. So it's definitely a lot of trauma, especially coming from slave ships and stuff. It's definitely a lot of trauma and it's been used, especially in Caribbean, to like gain power. So it, a lot of Black people fear um, LGBTQ people, but they don't understand of how much history there is between the Black community and LGBTQ Black people within the Black community that have fought so hard um, and been like shining stars. Um, there's so many you can name. You go from James Baldwin to Mark to Martin Luther King's uh, right hand man and Marsha P. Johnson and all that stuff. You could go. Name, just names will keep going on. So it's just so important that um, there has to be a common ground that can make humanity, all humans realize that like our biases is only out of fear mostly. And Yeah, and and have every right to. One, one, 
No, one hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when I, yeah, 100, you know, and it's funny because I can, I can relate in some way. I mean, my, I, you know, I opened up to my mom about six years ago and You know, she told me recently, she says, you know something, I may not agree with your choices, um, but I don't want to lose my child. I love you no matter what, and if this is who you are, then this is who you are. And it kind of broke broke my heart because I said to myself, you know, here I have have my mom that's grieving, and yet she can't accept me. And I, okay, you know what, that pisses me off, but you know what? She's coming to terms. See, that's the type of that's the type of environment and agreement you want to be in. But like your situation, you know. So what? You're dating a woman, like you know who gives who gives a fuck? You know if she's trans, a guy, like doesn't matter. You're you're their son. You know it shouldn't be a woman that defines the relationship, or whatever man or whatever it may be. Deep is beautiful, man. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, like Mike knows this. I, you know, I'm a huge John Lennon fan. I love the man. Today until tomorrow, one of the most beautiful things that he's ever said in his music was a brotherhood of man. You know, you can get all gender, what, but it's very simple. It's a brotherhood of man, which means simply we're, no matter how many ways you want to split it, we're all made out of bones, we're all made out of flesh, we're all made out of meat, and we all die the same. We all come to this world the same, we all die the same. So guess what? 
You want to hate somebody, you want to murder somebody, you just murdered somebody that's exactly like you. No different. There's no difference between that person and you. And you just gotta, you gotta just take the curtain and you just gotta, Mike, the curtain behind you, you gotta just rip the curtain open. <laughs> All right, then don't rip the curtain, man. Yeah, 's crazy because you make a very good point. We tend to forget the people that fought during Jim Crow, the people that fought during the Stonewall. These were people that they were beaten by police. They were beaten the heck by police. Point some of these people went to the hospital. They were attacked by their neighbors. They were threatened with guns constantly. And they said to themselves, 
we need to fight because we're going to die. But we got to let our kids survive. That's our main goal. And they risk their, you know, we don't, I'm going to get a little crazy over here for a second. We don't give a fuck anymore to the point like, ugh, it's too hard. Well, you know what? All those fucking people that were assassinated, they died just so you can fucking stand up and say, I am proud to be part of a minority community. I am proud to be gay. They died. But you just want to be a pussy and just step out of the box and be like, no, I don't want whatever happened to what happened to the strength? What happened to the people of just saying that like, I mean, you're one of those people that are fighting. But you got to remember what our people be people before us, what they did to allow us to be here now. Just for just remember, just remembering that.
One hundred. Yeah. One. One. No, no, no. I was, I was just uh, elaborating on the point. You know, not even, not even Nazis. Think about nationalists. Just plain old nationalists that walk around like everybody else, but they're they're supreme because they're missing probably ninety three percent of melanin in their skin. They're gonna burn when the sun comes out. I'm just saying. I'm happy I don't have to deal with that. Sorry, Mike, you were saying? This is what happens. You get lost in the groove, man. Uh, I, you know, one thing I will say, like, I'm from New York, and we have very, we have a very brutal police department. Um But, the, you know, I come from a, an environment where the police were owned by the community. They paid their salaries. They control them. And it, it's horrible. Now, the thing is, we do need protection. We do need hospitals. We need doctors. We need police. We need fire departments. But to use tactics of brutal force, and I love this excuse, is like, well, it's, bro- it's, it's the Bronx, there's, you know, gangsters and they're doing crime all the time. And it's like, I, I get that. But just because somebody has their jeans just a little bit down and their underpants are showing doesn't mean they're going to rob the 7-Eleven. They just came in there to get a Powerade and go home. I don't give a fuck how they look like. Look, you don't attack some. I've seen this. It It's the way of where you stop telling police, okay. We need a new system. The system you're doing is hurting people. People have died because of this system. We know this. Why can't we change it and make it better? Because it costs money. Well, you know what? I would rather pay some tax dollars so we can stop killing innocent people for no apparent reason. Just because their pants are down. Right, right. Their pants are down too much, so they're robbing the 7-Eleven. Okay, Sure. They just need a they just need a social worker. That's what they need. Um, no, I mean, like I said, I, I, I grew up in a Jewish community that was mainly white and we did have Latino, Jamaican, Haitian communities. They struggled poorly. You know, my dad, my dad being an immigrant, he mainly worked with Latinos, the black community, you know, Haitians, Jamaicans, that was his partners. My dad did plumbing and construction. Those were the people he hired. And the reason why my dad hired those people were nobody was going to hire them and pay them well and treat them like human beings. Everybody in the community would hire them, pay them like shit, throw them back on the streets, and we're done with them. 
my dad hired them because a they needed a job and they were good at what they did. They're great with pipes. They're great with putting up framing for homes. They needed the money, and my dad was there to help. But that stereotype, that that idea of like, ah, oh, yeah, nah, like they 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 they're gonna rob you know by place of work. You know, I I should pay them shit because you know they're from Jamaica. What are they? What do they know? Difference? They make three dollars there. So what? Really? You want to be? You know what? You know what? Who built this country? Immigrants. Blacks, Hispanics, Latinos, Middle Easterners, and Asians built these fucking walls that make the U to the motherfucking A. Okay? Those were the people that built this country. Not, not white nationalists, not neo-Nazis, not southern women of Atlanta. None of these motherfuckers did anything. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Yeah. Can't stand it. Fuck that shit. I, I think I told you this. Um, I heard from a professor. She said that we tend to think that Nazi Germany failed. Hitler failed. He died, and and we conquered it all. But she, in reality. Hitler won because he wanted to create the perfect way of making segregation where it's unnoticed. It's kind of behind the corner. It's in the alleyway. And that that's literally the world we live in is exact, exactly what Hitler wanted. Also, World War One, we were the last country to join. Isn't that funny? 
but but it's the same it's the same principle, which is where America only gets involved with war if it benefits themselves. Korean War was just to prove that the Americans had a strong army. Vietnam War was so Nixon can get his dick hard. But the other point was he also wanted to show the empathy, the American, like, we are, I can't do Nixon. <laughs> um, but you just go through each of these wars and you see that each of them were just to benefit the United States. The Afghanistan War, the Iraqi War, every single war that America has put their dicks and slobbered all over them was just to show, like, we are the American. Yeah, okay. It's 100% patriarchy. Come on, man. I came, I came, I came from a community that had it, and uh, it's really, it's really hard because I'm not the only person that grew up in a, you know, a religious cult community. So many of us have. Some of us grew up in Christian. Some grew up in Muslim. Uh, so many different ones. And in the community I grew up, people, kids are committing suicide. They're being hospitalized because they are not willing to accept. That not all Jews are white, you know. This is the reality of like we weren't all white. Just just remember that. And this idea of like we're not all heteros. I don't give two shits about a Bible that was written four thousand years ago to abuse your goddamn kid because he's queer. Like their kids have been thrown out in the streets in my community, not my community anymore. But it it's just it's heartbreaking and. The media has lost a lot of credibility. You know, today, me and Mike were talking about this. Since the pandemic hit, podcasts have jumped up to 2 million. There are more people listening to podcasts than tuning into actual news outlets. They're losing viewers because we're telling you the truth. Those fuckers are just telling you what's on their big screen right behind them.
Yeah. 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 And you, you, you make a very valuable point. I think, first of all, I don't know, Jamar, um, if you've seen this, I, I personally haven't because I'm not, I wasn't raised in this generation specifically. The way that LGBTQ is educated to kids, it's kind of as if, like, it's an arts and crafts project. Like, you know, like, oh, my God, it's adorable. You're wearing butterflies. You must be trans, you know, and it's like you have to, like, make these kids like, oh, the little LGBTQ. But this is real life. This is not fun and games. I was born where I'm attracted to men. I didn't decide as a little kid that like, oh, I love all the boys in class. Like, this is not. No. Mm -mm. One hundred percent. Uncle Vernie. That's his name. Yeah, Uncle Vernie. I mean, if you, I mean, if, you, yeah, but I mean, no. Yeah, but.
Yeah, but you know what? Jamar makes makes a very valuable point. I mean, you know, we do live in a world where there's a lot of sometimes I can't stand this so much heterosexual shit like fucking Valentine's Day. I can't stand it. Uh but you know, there are ways of broadening for kids. For example, not every single monster that are a monster, like little monsters for those shows, kid shows, has to have a gender. Why does a pink teddy bear that sings songs have to be female or male? Like, there's no reason for it. I mean, he's three years old. Who cares? Ex- exactly. So if you eliminate all of that, you can have that fluidity. Like Jamar was saying, just fluidity in there. Like, that doesn't necessarily have to be a gender to kids' shows. It doesn't have to be a man or a woman. I mean, it could just be whatever it is. I mean, they're kids. That's the problem. That's the problem. Oh, that's what she meant. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. Well, if you if if you feel any better, there's a group of really horny uh, guys right in the net building right next to me, and they have orgies and they blast music every Friday night. Like, and they don't even bother to close the blinds, so like you can see the shadow of what's going in there. And like, and I love this. He comes out every Saturday morning, like just boxers and a shirt. Like I also go out there in boxers and shorts. I'm not gonna lie, and. He sits there with a coffee, and I'm like, you've got three chicks in that bedroom. Like, I can see the shadow. I can see the form of the bed, and it's gross. But those are my neighbors. Yes. No offense to Conne- no offense to Connecticut, but Mike, I, you know, I, look, I'm a New Yorker. We hate Jersey. We hate Mass. You know, fuck Pennsylvania. Those fucking hicks that drive the fire trucks. God damn those people. Oh, and then those people with the beards and they have no mustache. Those Amish. You know, like we're just nasty. We're nasty sons of bitches in New York, but. It's so weird, like, the environment I grew up in, like, especially when you're dealing with LGBTQ and, like, you go all out of all of that, it's very, like, fierce. Like, I just remember the, the gay community, the minority community, a part of all of that in New York. It's insane. They're like, all right, let's go. Like, now. Like, now, now? Yeah, let's go. Like, we're doing it now. Like, we would, you know, go out, like, you know, uh, protesting pride parades uh, they would set up events. I was a part of a group that was called uh, JQY, and they would just like you know just have a bunch of people coming together, doing different types of events, just interacting. Because isn't the whole purpose of human beings is interaction, is communication? We're social creatures. I mean, that's how that's how we evolved.
with the body cams. One hundred percent. And, you know, I I think I think all of us, you know, especially like talking about this and going through this. One key thing that ties everything together is. Is a voice. People need voices and the stories need to be told. We need to see what's going on. And, you know, as somebody that I believe in revolutionism, that's how I live my life. World is cruel. That's okay. That's reality. Let's make it a little less cruel for a little bit of a better day. And it's okay if it's still cruel, because again, that's the world. Not everything can be perfect. It's not how it's designed. But it's okay. Hundred percent. Gorsman. Thank you so much. All right. All right, guys. We have reached that time in our podcast. This has been great. It has been fun, and we got lost in the groove. So stay tuned. Every Tuesday, be sure to check out a new episode of Lost in the Groove. It premieres by 2 a.m. in the morning, and our other channels, Sham Bam with Mike and Dave, which is our Patreon podcast, and our extra special the shindig variety show our youtube podcast links will be down in the description box so you can vote for what topic we cover next season and what other kind of content or new ideas and stuff we have to offer thank you guys so much for watching catch you guys in the next one